Hi everyone and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. My name's Amelia and I'm joined today by Dee and Peter to talk about the spring 2017 season. So you guys like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, uh, hi, I am Dee Hogan, a writer and editor for Anime Feminist um, and I'm also the owner of the anime blog, The Jose Next Door. And I'm Peter Phobia and I'm an Associates Features Editor at Crunchyroll and a contributor and editor for Anime Feminist. Okay, so we're talking about the season that's just ended, spring 2017. We actually did reviews of the all the premieres for this season for all the full-length shows for adults, um, and the weren't sequels. And we ha- are now going to go back to our rankings of these premieres. We're going to look at the top 10 and talk about which ones we carried on watching, which ones we dropped, which ones we'd recommend, and why. Uh, I think it's been a bit of a a difficult season for that. We've just gone through the list, and there's not a lot that we've all seen. So if we've missed something that you think we should have given more attention and you'd like to recommend to the Anfem community, please do let us know. We would love to pass that on. Okay, so we're starting off at number 10 on our rankings list, which will be in the show notes. If you check there, there'll be a link. The Royal Tutor, Harmless Fun Category. Dee, I know for a fact you've seen this. Peter, did you watch, uh, did you say you've watched half of it? Uh, I dropped out early, like two or three episodes. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> um, and yeah, I haven't seen past the first six. So Dee, if you would like to tell us how this went by the end. It was really good and charming and Yay. I would happily recommend it. Yeah, no. Oh, it, fantastic. Um, it, this is a good start. The final... Yeah, it is. Uh, it's, yeah, it is a good start. Um, the final two episodes are kind of like an anime original sort of like finishing arc, and they're not great. Uh, um, they don't really they don't do anything like actively like betraying like the themes or like problematic stuff or anything like that. Like they're 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 harmless in that sense. Um, they're just it just doesn't quite click with the rest of the show. Um, other than that, though, it's it's delightful. I like immediately went out and bought the first volume of the manga because that's how much it charmed me. Oh um, wow. <laughs> Yeah, no, I really enjoy it. It was, I, I mean, I, I tend to just like like cute, nice comedies anyway, and that was kind of where this one started. And then the more I got into it, the more I realized it was actually a fairly thoughtful series. Um, it does a lot in terms of talking about um, like not judging people by appearances. There's a lot of um, kind of low key tension between like the the upper like royal class and then like the sort of commoner class. Um, I know Lauren wrote a piece on how the show handles privilege in one episode for Annie Femme, um, which I really enjoyed that piece she, she wrote for us. She did. And actually we had yeah. someone tell us just recently that because of that uh, article, they went back and watched the royal tutor to the end and they were really pleased that they did. So thank you, Lauren. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that makes me happy. It's a it's a very it's a very nice show and it does it's not um it ended up being kind of feminist relevant not necessarily in terms of like women's issues because there are no women in the story really. Um, there's like a grandma, there's a grandma and a cute like and they have like a really little sister. She's like 6. And she's cute and there's an episode where she she's kind of a major character, but there's not really it's not really a story about women. All um, women but it's and young women because... are still women do. No, I agree with you. My point is that they're just like they're not really in the show. Um, yeah, yeah, they're all together. They're maybe in thirty minutes total yeah. um, of the entire twelve. <laughs> oh, right. Um, they're they're not really there. Okay. Um, but it it touches up. It touches on uh, feminist issues in terms of intersectional feminism. I think very well in how it does handle some of these privilege issues, some of these issues of prejudice. Um, there's a character who uh, there's a whole episode with him uh, where basically 
people kind of immediately assume he's dangerous because he has kind of a scary face and doesn't know how to like communicate or emote very well. Yeah. Um, and so there's kind of an entire episode about him sort of trying to figure out how to um, communicate with others and like, you know, get over that, that sort of like initial knee jerk first impression. And it's, it's just, it's just very, very sweetly done. And it's not like it rides that line. So it doesn't go into like being like totally saturated and kind of just, um, cheesy but it um it still it still hits some nice emotional beats in between like all the all the silly chibi antics so (laughs) i recommend it um without any real reservations that's amazing that's not quite what i was expecting from beginning this list so fantastic really pleased it was definitely a surprise okay i'm definitely gonna go back and watch that one when i get through my immense back catalog list (laughs) okay next up was the feminist potential category where we thought that it could go either way, basically. So yeah, there's some potential here to explore feminist themes, but there's also potential for it to just fall off a cliff. So number nine was Tsukiga Kire. And we said that there's, I I wrote the review for this one. There was inevitable character growth for the female lead, uh, which was definitely going to be relatable and interesting. I wasn't sure it was going to be matched by the male lead. They're both middle school kids. Uh, they seem to be going to a romance together and I wasn't sure if that was going to be matched or if it was just going to be him staying amazing and her developing and growing to reach his level, which obviously isn't as great. Turns out it wasn't like that at all. <laughs> I was really pleasantly surprised by Tsukigakire. I didn't think I'd like it. It was, it is, it's really kind of slow paced and gentle and it's about middle schoolers in a romance, which is not really compelling for me in general. But I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it was something that I looked forward to every single week. So, Peter, you'd watched this one, didn't you? Uh, yes, I really liked it as well. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I'd say I liked it on its own, but I also sort of liked it in the larger context of what you usually get from romance and anime, uh, mm. which is just a bunch of really wild shit happening all the time. And <laughs> it, it's not very satisfying. Um, yeah. At least when, you know, it's like a rom-com focus type thing. This one, I thought, was a lot more focused on... Uh, character than circumstance, I guess is what I'd say. Um, it like mainly focused on the fact that, yeah, and, and like I know middle schooler romance isn't like a very compelling concept for me either, but <laughs> it kind of focused on uh, uh, anxiety specifically related to. I mean, both the characters seem to have a lot of general anxiety, but also just uh, like normal anxieties, like uh, how middle schoolers would sort of de- like approach romance since they don't have any experience with it. So it was a lot of uh, overcoming uh, certain barriers that they were entirely unfamiliar with, like firsts, that kind of thing. And then I guess there was a little bit of circumstantial drama with her moving away. Um, But uh, I I really liked the sort of introspective element to the anime. Yeah, absolutely. I think the only issue I had with it was right up to the end, um, the, the female lead, Akane, her best friend, Chinatsu, was a very difficult character because she crossed so many lines of trust with Akane and then just said, but we're still friends, right? Even though I like your boyfriend, even though I'm telling your boyfriend that I like him, we're still friends, right? And Akane always said yes, and I understand that, but that was kind of hard to watch. So that's the only, my only caveat there is that there was a little bit of the, the idea that, I don't know, she was just being really kind of manipulative and I don't think it was intentional, but it was yeah it was it was hard to watch (laughs) that's all i'll say but everything else was gorgeous 
I, uh, she was kind of like, uh, I, I guess in retrospect, uh, I sort of appreciate that she was kind of a source of anxiety without ever being like the real threat that you'd get if it, this was like, uh, oh, what's an, what's an anime that would be a good example? Uh, like Masamune Kun, where it's just like, oh, you know, the yeah. new person arrives, something like that. Yeah. And uh, I, I kind of liked how they, oh, well, I mean, the whole ending was really good. Uh, it had a lot more closure than I'm used to in just about any high school anime. I was so impressed by that because I got spoiled for the facts of the ending and I was very unhappy. And then oh, yeah. I watched it and I watched it and I was like, oh, that was amazing. <laughs> so it completely won me over in that final episode. It yeah, was... they did it pretty elegantly with the closing sequence, I think. They did, they did. So I, I would recommend this. Um, I think you may want to skip the post-credits cartoons. They are a little less feminist friendly. Um, but if you watch up to the closing credits and then just skip to the next episode in your marathon, you'll be fine. <laughs> so that would be my one, <laughs> one caveat there. <laughs> and the closing credits in the last episode are very important as well. Yes. So that's Those are must watch, actually. <laughs> Those are must watch. <laughs> yeah. You'd lose out on quite a lot. So yeah, definitely Tsukigakure recommendation with a couple of caveats, but nothing major, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, number eight, Alison Zoroku, which, uh, this stood out as the premiere review I found the absolute hardest to write because I struggled so much with the premiere, double-length premiere that I didn't enjoy at all. Um, so I didn't watch any more of this. Uh, Peter, D, did you review? Carpenter? I stopped. I watched half of it. Um, okay. Which I kind of had said was probably going to be what I did when we did our um, kind of mid-season check-in. Yeah. Um, which I, I will kind of just direct people to that because my opinion hasn't really changed <laughs> since then. Um, basically, like I did, I, I wasn't sure, and then I kind of got into it, and then it had a really good stopping point, and I did not feel compelled to keep going. So I was right. like, I guess the story's over, and I just stopped watching. Fair enough. Peter, did you watch on? Uh, yeah, I finished it all. Um, <laughs> you don't sound too happy about that. <laughs> uh, well, and I think the first arc was definitely the strongest. Um, yeah. And after that, it kind of just entered into this sort of like episodic, uh, uh, like she runs into the twins again, and then she runs into some other people that also have dreams of Alice. Uh, and there's always some sort of element of um, like, you know, uh, stress or something revolving around that. I think like dreams of Alice probably come to troubled people is the idea. So um, it was just kind of like a bunch of minor stories that were writing on the back of uh, Sana living with Soroku's family. Um, and uh, near the end, it kind of got into this weird territory where I'm not quite sure where there. I, I feel like there's like a larger context that the anime's or the, and probably the manga's trying to get into where she starts like bringing uh, her, the, the Wonderland that she had, you know, in the, the facility, whatever. And she like makes doors to it that she can access from everywhere which was pretty interesting. So she starts, like, messing with people by, like, dropping them through doors and putting them in cages with stuffed animals around them and stuff like that. Uh, okay. It's, like, traps. Yeah, it, it got really bizarre and kind of surreal near the end. Really cool backgrounds. Oh, I love surreal. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, that's oh, your yeah, favorite yeah. thing. Right if they cute girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surreal yeah. and Moa character designs. Count me in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, sorry. But uh, it... Uh, it kind of, I guess it was, I mean, I, it wasn't bad enough that I stopped watching, uh, but it just kind of, uh, I don't think there was a lot of stress after that. Um, maybe with the last story, it got into kind of like a dark territory, but it was like for this character that they had just introduced. So, um, and then I think it ended with like, but our battle continues kind of thing. 
uh, which usually just means, hey, go read the manga. So I guess it was uh, it was okay after that. Oh, wow. Um, Sparkling recommendation there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you like the first arc, you'll probably like the second arc, but it, they're like the stakes aren't that high. So okay. after that, it's just kind of like a slice of life where there's random superpower kind of fights. That was kind of what I thought was going to happen. So I'm really glad I ducked out when I did. Yeah, um, good, good job, good past job. me. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to one we have all seen. Number seven. Kado. Yep. Kado. <laughs> How do we even talk about this? How do I we don't even know. talk about this? Okay, <laughs> so Kado, we, in the review, we talked about the premiere review. We talked about how there were prominent professional women in this mostly male-led cast, and there was potential there for the the female characters in particular to be quite a presence and to do quite interesting things. So that was the basis of saying it had feminist potential. In the end, it turned into something quite different um, than it started out. And Peter, you wrote an article about this, right? Could you just summarise what you you were saying in that article about its change of, of tone? Uh, hmm. well, I don't know if it if it was exactly a good thing that I was like the, the sort of change. I <laughs> oh, the the thrust of it was it was like you know kind of a very ambitious anime in regards to the 3D and the uh, the kind of larger societal context of the story, um, which I think, uh, given the twist, were kind it was kind of a unique thing to do since it sort of set this really big stage and had uh, Zashinina and Shindo working together to sort of develop uh, character intimacy yeah, and, like, their friendship. Uh, and, like, you know, I, once we get to the twist, that ends up being very, like, it creates um, emotional impact because of this relationship that we've been following for, like, I think it was nine episodes at that point. Mm-hmm. So I felt like as far as narrative structure, that was good. Um, and, like, the beginning nine episodes were good, but just the way that the plot went after that was sort of insane. Like I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't. I did not see it coming because I didn't think that there was any reason anybody would decide to take it in that direction. Basically, yeah, because the opening is really a focus on this process of negotiation and looking at issues such as energy resources, and that was a really interesting set of philosophical questions. And it seemed like that was going to be the the way the series would go. We would be looking at questions about humanity and about um, what would you do if an alien invader showed up but then offered you everything you need offered you a life without sleep with with infinite energy what what would you do how would society as a whole react and then suddenly it shifts completely into something very very different and actually i had been a bit lost by that point and i that twist picked me right back up again and i quite enjoyed it until the final episode d what what did you feel about the the twist yeah. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the messier the show got, the more involved I became with it. Um, and I still, I still think there is something like I, I think it's, I think it's one of those kind of ambitious failures that's trying to do a lot and doesn't really, doesn't really put it all together. And so I feel kind of guilty recommending it, but I still really <laughs> liked it. Um, yeah, totally understand. Because. I do sort of enjoy the um, some of the some of the directions they went with kind of their their conversation about cultural cultural exchange were very interesting to me. Um, I liked that the female characters did end up having more of a role and kind of being right. 
um, which was which was interesting. And then I, I think I find it sort of amusingly apt that um, a story that begins at like this like emotional distance, like very logical discussion of the pros and cons, uh, it turns out that when it comes to humanity, it really just boils down to to feelings, to like gut reactions and emotions and relationships. <laughs> and yeah. I thought that was kind of, again, like it was messy, but it it just it just worked for me. It got really messy in the last episode, though. So I, mm-hmm. I felt quite bad because um, I think it was Vry put up some screenshots and described it as the Hannibal of anime. Or was that yes. you, D? No, that was, was it you. Or Vry, was the one who, Vry was the one who, who said Alien Hannibal. I'm the one who has been I... um, pushing the dating sim theory since, like, episode That's nine. it. That's <laughs> it. And actually, calling it a dating sim really contextualized it for me and made me go, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I can watch it and enjoy it. So, you know, it's a really good novels, dating sim. Do it. It's a really it's a, good dating sim, turns it's out. It's a really good <laughs> dating sim. But I, put, I, I retweeted this uh, screenshot that Bri put up where, where they said, Alien Hannibal. And one of my real life friends saw that and was like, I have to watch this because Hannibal's great. <laughs> and, oh, so, and so she watched the first episode. Yes. She's like, what have you done to me, Amelia? What is this? <laughs> and then we, we got to the twist and she was like, oh, okay, I get it. And then we watched the final episode together. <laughs> <laughs> you have never seen two more disgusted anime viewers. Like, we were just, what is this shit? Every few seconds. It was not a pleasant viewing experience. And we got to the end of it, like, well, that's that then. Okay, move on, don't watch it again. But it was a really I... ambitious show, as you say, and I, mm-hmm. I do appreciate some aspects of it. But like you, I don't feel like I could recommend it to anyone, especially not after that experience, recommending it to someone. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, next one on the list is World End which had like marginalized characters in a pretty gender balanced cast. So we thought, okay, if it actually looks at the marginalization, if the gender balance remains kind of not creepy, then that'll be really good. Uh, how did it go? Did anyone see this to the end? Yeah. I got a <laughs> oh, little over halfway through it. Pretty, yeah. pretty much just like right over the halfway point. And okay, Peter, how was it? Uh, well, it delivered on the promise from the opening scene of the first episode. Okay. I mean, we where we all had that big discussion about how we didn't like the massage scene. They they recycled that joke twice. Um, yeah. Hooray! Later on. That yeah. was what made me uh, decide to drop I it. Did it actually. Yeah. Twice. Oh. Uh, well, it was two two girls one scene basically. Oh my uh, god! Yeah. Did you have to? Yeah. Why it did like you that? have to word it that way? <laughs> yeah, yeah. With with Cathali watching the entire thing actually. Oh uh, my god! Very god. unhappily. Yeah, and then they, you know, the way they talk about it later makes it sound like it wasn't massage either, so that was great. Oh, um, for goodness sake. Mm. Yeah, but uh, I guess uh, all of us were kind of hoping that it would uh, kind of avoid the the willem Cathali romance, I think, and that was definitely the centerpiece of the show. So, um, yeah. yeah, it kind of got into that. Um, right. The ending, basically what the ending's... I mean, it, uh, the opening scene basically said this is, this is going to be a tragedy. It's not going to end well. Um, and that is what happens. Um, it is a tragedy that doesn't end well. Okay. Yeah. And it got into some weird stuff with, like, past lives and what's going on with Cathali, like, hearing children's voices and stuff like that, which was really strange. I hear the light novel actually ended in the same place. And I think it's oh. kind of implied that, uh, oh, what was her name? Nefrin, the, the, the coup d'etat um, purple-haired girl. I think that was. Oh yeah, name. I think that was. I think Jenny she just went by Ren, Ren yeah. but yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, uh, Cathali, like, you know, d- 
desert disappearance and I, I think it sort of implied that that girl uh, and Willem kind of wander off together or something like that apparently there's a follow up night or light novel about the green haired girl uh, Tiat the one who's really into lizard folk movies mm-hmm. um, she was cute yeah uh, so maybe that one's better but uh, <laughs> it, I guess the series just decided to end it off there which really seems bizarre because there was this like huge context in regards to the world like all these stakes and uh, like uh, it turned out that the nature of Cathali's like seeing past stuff was really 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 important uh, mm-hmm. in like maybe the fate of the world um, but it just sort of wrapped up their personal romance tragedy thing and then uh, kind of just dropped us so uh, wow yeah. that's a big bummer yeah. So, uh, not a recommendation, then? Uh, if you watch the first episode and really want to know how it gets to the the final scene that is the first scene, uh, maybe you'll like it. Uh, <laughs> that, you was, def- that was uh, a you non-statement, have- wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if you're really into, like, tragedy stuff happening, I guess. Uh, okay. like, and some people are. Um, and if you're okay with the Cathali Willem thing, then I'd say maybe it's good. If you like, if you if you like the Cathali Willem thing and love tragedy, yeah. <laughs> this one is for you. <laughs> and don't mind sexualized massage scenes. Then maybe if you if you're in that if you're like in that Venn diagram, <laughs> sure. Uh, outside of that, it's kind of was I don't know. I didn't really like. I, I didn't feel satisfied by the ending. I should say. I liked what was happening, but it didn't like it didn't leave you off in a satisfying place. You're just like, oh well, it's over, I guess. Right. Okay, very specific recommendation there. Okay, moving on, number five, Recreators, um, which had powerful female characters challenging anime tropes. Now, I watched this and I, at the premiere, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think I made comments about anime of the year at the time. I was very enthusiastic (laughs) about it. Um, And then I lost interest quite quickly. So (laughs) don't trust me when I say something might be anime of the year. Just don't listen. (laughs) I haven't kept up with this and I think I was the only one with access to it through Amazon in the UK so mm-hmm. uh, we should probably move on from that but I have yeah. had I have since had it independently recommended to me by multiple people I trust who know very well about my work with Anna Firm and so on so uh, worth checking out maybe I loved the first episode I really really loved the first episode and if it delivers on what I identified there as being particularly attractive to me, then I think from a feminist perspective, it's very worth watching. And I did enjoy subsequent episodes that I watched, um, but I I don't know how it ended, so I'm sorry. Uh, how it was described to me was like uh, the Fate series, except with more female agency and a less ridiculously complex story that's based on like a light novel, which goes in eight different directions. That honestly like, sounds like something I would love. I, okay. I kind of like, like I kind of I kind of like Fate when it's um, more focused than than like the Fate Stay Night anime. Um, like I really enjoyed Fate Zero. So I yeah, like I think I Fate's really good like when it's recreators. not Stay Night is the thing. <laughs> stay Night we're was gonna, the worst Fate. We're ever. gonna get we're gonna get so much hate letter hate letters from that. <laughs> Peter, what have you I, done I to even, us? What have what you was done? What red haired kid? I'm sorry, he's a bad character. Please direct all hate name? on this subject to Crunchyroll. Yeah, uh, I mean, no, just just at me. I don't even care. At Peter Phobian, bring it. It's like, an I will awful fight anime. you over yeah. how Fate Stay Night's bad. Stay Night was garbage. Zero was good. I also liked Umbral Star. Uh, Thank you for Fate joining Go. the Anime yeah. Feminist podcast on Fate. Yeah, I'll watch I'll watch Apocrypha when I have the ability. But uh, Stay Night was definitely the low point of Fate. 
I've, I'm inclined to agree with you. But anyway. <laughs> rec creators. Um, all I can say is that I haven't heard of it blowing up anywhere. I haven't heard of it falling off a cliff and people going, mm-hmm. oh no, I can't believe I was watching this. What I've heard has generally been that it's a bit on the wordy side, a mm-hmm. bit, a bit exposition-y sometimes. But from a feminist view, nobody has kind of said to me, oh, Amelia, you can't believe what Recreators has done. You're so, you made the right call not watching it anymore. And people often do that for me, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate, oh, by the way, if you get in touch with me and say, handy. Yeah. sorry? I said, that's handy. <laughs> it's really handy. So sometimes they come up to me and say, Amelia, don't bother with that. I was like, thank you very much. <laughs> but that hasn't happened with Recreators, so maybe worth a watch if you have access to it, which, as we know, may not be the case. So moving on to the next category, which is feminist themes. So these, you wouldn't necessarily describe them as feminist or necessarily uh, feminist-friendly, but they explore certain themes that are absolutely within the remit of intersectional feminism. So the first example is Grambly Fantasy at number four, where they had a consistent emphasis in the first episode, or the first two episodes, I should say, because they were both released at the same time, um, on agency and consent that I thought was absolutely fascinating. And I really was hoping that they would explore that more. And then I stopped watching. Uh, I did mean yeah. to go back to it. This season has been a really hard one for me to keep on top of everything because I've changed job and that's that's had a big impact on me. Mm-hmm. But it's not because I didn't enjoy the opening. I actually thoroughly enjoyed those first couple of episodes. So did either of you watch that to the end? We got halfway through. Okay. Yeah, I did too. Um, I got. I started to get the sense that it was going to basically be a big old advertisement for the video game, and we weren't going to really get like a proper ending or proper character arcs. Um, so I decided to wait and see. And I had a friend who was watching it, and he said, "Yep, that is exactly what happened." Um, <laughs> and right. to to top it off, apparently there was a final like bonus episode where, because in the video game you can grand your main character can be uh, grand the boy, or I forget the other character's name. You can play as a boy or a girl, basically. And apparently in the very final like special episode they did, they swap out grand for the female character. Um, okay. Like it's kind of like kind of like an AU, which sounds like oh maybe they'll do something neat with that. No, no, it was solely so they could do a beach episode. No. Yep. No. So... Don't do this anime. Don't do it. This and, goddamn. Yeah. And when he told me that, I was like, I just want to throw things right now. So uh, yeah, dropping am... that halfway through turns out to have been an okay plan. I am not going back to that. You have just lost my my you know, massive amounts of support. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay, that's really disappointing. Although now I think about it, I did see a thumbnail with bikinis in it and think, hmm. So, yeah, good to know that that was a totally justified and plot-driven episode with bikinis. Yeah. Great. Yeah, for me, it was just kind of like, it was just kind of vanilla and boring to me. (laughs) That was also true. It was um, no, inoffensive, right. but it also didn't really interest me. I mean, say what you will about Magical Girl Racing Project. Say that it was awful. Say that it was poorly written. Say that it was disgusting. Uh, but at least it tried to do something interesting with the IP that it was trying to advertise. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also there was the... I can't remember. There was even a fantasy series earlier this year, which kind of did something interesting. Um, oh, I can't remember what his name is. It was also based off, like, a, a gacha mobile game. Um, but it, like, starts with, like, the main character getting... He's basically going to die, I guess, so... Um, it did some interesting, like the villain wins, he's got like some sort of disease that's eating away at him. And then that's like the story start. So you're just like, oh, wow, there's kind of like a fatalistic story, I guess. Uh, or like he's mm-hmm. trying to 
do something, but he's not. He's gonna die no matter what. That kind of thing. Maybe he like miraculously cures himself with victory energy or something. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> like it, it was it was compelling, right? And the, the Grand Blue, I was just it just felt so. They were just introducing characters and having fights, and then getting in yeah. a ship and then having more fights. And I nothing about the plot really grabbed my attention, and so I stopped watching. I did get the sense that it was a series that was more about come live in this world and hang out with these characters for a while. Like that was the point of appeal. So if you if you enjoyed the world building and the art and the characters appealed to you, then just hanging out with them for twenty four minutes a week, that was that was what you would get out of it. Fantastic animation too. There there was some really good there was some really good animation <laughs> in there. Um, no, there really were some like excellent looking fight sequences. A one did a good job. Um, yeah. It ended up like because honestly, my thing at the start was like, well, it's kind of a vanilla fantasy, but I'm I sort of like the characters, so I'll have fun just kind of hanging out with them and getting to know them. But then they introduced new people like every freaking episode, uh, so you didn't yeah. really get a chance to chill with like because there's kind of like a, a solid core like four person cast by the end of like the fourth episode or something. Mm, yeah. And I was like, these guys are fun. This seems like a good group to hang out with. And then they then they started adding new characters like immediately, <sighs> and you didn't get to hang out with those people you thought seemed like they'd be interesting to hang out with. So it was. That was one of the reasons I stopped. Because I was like, okay, if it's too core, then they'll have time to flesh these people out eventually. But if it's going to just end, then what's the point? Um, and yeah, so sorry, Grand Blue. We're being like maybe unnecessarily mean to you right now. Do you but... know what, though? If there's an ending, a bonus episode involving bikinis in this medieval setting, then I don't feel like we're being that mean. To <laughs> yeah, be that's honest. Fair. True. So okay. if you want to watch good vanilla fantasy, Lodos War has always been there. <laughs> I have never seen it. Maybe I should. Oh my god! Okay, we're doing that, that, <laughs> we'll pick that up later. That's probably yeah. something we should do. Yeah. Okay, watch along upcoming. <laughs> Number three, Kabuki Boo. I know none of you have seen this. Am I right? <laughs> I wanted oh. to, but no. D D D. You will love this. Okay, I sure hope I can show. watch it someday. I I sure hope you can <laughs> too. It breaks my heart that I can't talk about this with you or Fry, because this is right up your street. Uh, okay i haven't seen all of this i saw because i kind of caught up before before the podcast oh no i haven't seen it so i watched a couple of later episodes to see you know does it seem to continue in the same vein it does seem to continue in the same vein it is a really delightful show (laughs) about a sweet group of kids and they have their kabuki club at school and there is a lot of uh there's a lot of kind of playing with gender performance, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. So in Kabuki, the cast yeah. is traditionally all male, and they decided, well, actually, we're a high school club, so we don't have to do that. So mm-hmm. there are various combinations of female characters, uh, f- sorry, within the context of the show, there are female students playing male characters, there's male students playing female characters, there's female students playing female characters, which is in itself subversive, because that would normally have been a man. Mm-hmm. And they have let's see they have characters who appear very masculine but behave in ways that are more traditionally feminine and vice mm-hmm. versa and it just seems like a really comfortable series to that to... sounds really nice it's really nice and the whole yeah. way through you've got this exploration of kabuki and it's it's a completely different kind of context from Shogun Nokodaku Shinju, which is mm-hmm. you know a kind of this historical narrative, very sweeping. This is a bunch of high school kids saying, "Well, actually, the rules don't apply apply to us. So, what rules do we need to break in order to get our high school classmates interested in this art form that we like?" 
And it starts off with this one boy saying, I really need people around me. We can we can just make it happen. We can put on Kabuki. And he faces so much kind of opposition to that idea. And then over the course of the series, they, they kind of realize along the way which, which barriers to comprehension and appreciation exist. And they find ways to break them down using uh, like just modern ways of thinking, modern technology. It's a really sweet show. I haven't seen all of it. So if there's something problematic in there that I've missed, please do tell me, our listeners. But from what I've seen, it was just delightful. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I absolutely am going to go through and watch the episodes I missed because it is just so much fun. So that's, uh, yeah, that is my recommendation with that slight caveat. Steve, I'm so sorry. I feel really bad no. now. <laughs> no, it, it sounds, sounds great. good. Yeah. It sounds really good. It does sound really good. Okay, Sakura Quest, number two. I mm-hmm. stopped watching this very early on, but I really appreciated its concept. And now I've seen Shirobako, actually, maybe I should go back and watch Sakura Quest kind of from that perspective. Mm. But basically, the first episode kind of challenged this this narrative of princesses with an adult female lead in a workplace situation, which as we know, is it's that combination is quite rare. Um, and they didn't, she didn't seem to be sexualized in any way. And she was technically the princess of this this town for tourist purposes but she actually had a job and she had to work hard and she had to work with people who were quite difficult and it looked like an intriguing setup but i again this hasn't been a great season for me for keeping on top of things uh have you guys seen it i dropped it halfway through why did you drop it uh i felt like especially since we were watching shirobako at the time i kind of felt more and more tragic to me that i really wasn't connecting with sakura quest in any way yeah because i would have expected this to be right up your street actually i know it has things in it that you really appreciate about anime so i was quite surprised when you said you dropped it yeah i guess it there well i don't know if i like intentionally decided i'd stop watching it i just never like you know decided hey i'm gonna i I never felt like oh hey i want to watch it right now um, it just kind of, I felt like there weren't really big stakes, like the failure just meant everything would continue as it had been previously. Right. Uh, uh, the, I didn't really connect with the characters in the same way. And like they're outside of that one, uh, the, I can't remember, I don't even, I don't remember her name is the older woman who doesn't like the tourist board. Uh, she seems to be mm-hmm. like the only real like antagonist. And then I, I couldn't really get a beat on this the this setting either because they were kind of it was a very modern day but then they like had mech suits with the like carved wooden armor on them and it just got really bizarre so it's like like intentionally defied kind of like uh, what you would think would be normal for the the modern day a lot of times mech so, suits yeah they, the guy, there's that one guy he makes like uh, these. Um, or exoskeletons, basically. Yeah, he has like you know those exoskeletons that are supposed to allow people to lift like a lot of weight. Yeah, they're I he guess is, is something they're developing in Japan. But it's this guy working in like out of his garage, middle in of the nowhere, middle of rural Japan. Yeah, yeah. So and he made it himself uh, with elbow grease and stuff. So okay. uh, it just kind of like if you can do that, why are you a small town? <laughs> yeah. uh, I did think that too when they showed that guy with like all his really neat inventions. I was like, I don't understand why. Anyway, why, but yeah. Why are you there? Yeah, so just barriers, I guess, to, to mm-hmm. me really connecting with this series was the problem. Dee, you watched it to the end. Is that because you connected with it, or was it just an obligation? Well, it's ongoing. It's uh, too okay. core. So oh, okay. it's not to the end. I've watched it to the middle. Um, <laughs> and uh, I... It was one of those... I feel this is going to... Okay, so I would like... If you are at all interested in it, give it a try. I recommend it. There's no caveats. It handles its its 
five young women um, in their ranging in, in a variety of their 20s trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives, basically, in the context of, and then, and then kind of, and then sort of their relationship with the, the location they are in this town. And each of them kind of have their own different um, conflict. Um, all of them are very true to life and some, sometimes painfully so. Um, it's done, it's, it's um, done with nuance, it's done with sympathy, it's, it's good. Like, it's, it's low-key very good, I think, in terms, of, in terms of what it does in its story. So I want to start by saying that I would recommend it. Try it out. Definitely try it out. Um, I, it's one of those where when I'm watching it, I enjoy it, and then I kind of just immediately forget I'm watching it. Okay. Um, it doesn't, I have not really been able to connect with it in the way I want to. I really want to love this show um, because it has a lot of things in it that I normally would. And there's just some something there that's keeping me from like really latching on to the story and the characters within it. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. So, and I know that, so that's kind of like, I don't know, I feel like I'm damning it with faint praise, um, but <laughs> it's... That, that's just kind of where I am with it. Like, I'm not personally super duper excited about it, but I am still watching it. I'm interested in the story. I, um, from sort of, um, kind of just like a sort of distant, not distant, um, I guess critical perspective a little bit. Right. The, the way it handles the, the characters arcs and their, um, their sort of quarter life crises, um, is interesting to me. It's just, it just very rarely connects on an emotional level. And I think it wants to more than it is. So in that in that respect, it's a little bit of a failure, I guess. Okay, and it sounds like it has been for all of us. I mean, I I assumed I would love this, and I put it at number two in the rankings, and then just did never felt compelled to watch more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love shows about women in the workplace where they're not being sexualized. Like that's a real thing that I kind of latch on to and always appreciate. And just it has never been compelling for me to keep watching. So I mm-hmm. have watched a few episodes. But it was it was kind of, it was for obligation, and I obviously didn't go back to it, and it feels a shame. It's a bit frustrating. So, if they pick up in the second half, because I felt that way about Shadow Back at first. Actually, the first few episodes mm-hmm. did not grab me, and had I watched it for yeah. just personal reasons, then I might not have got as far as I did. In all honesty, but because we did it for a watch long, I kept watching, and then mm-hmm. it got so good. Yeah. And I think it was probably, it must have been like episode seven to 12 where I really began to appreciate it. But mm-hmm. that's, that's quite a way away. I mean, that's quite a big commitment to ask somebody to, to stick around that long because it might get better. And if yeah. Sakura Quest has kind of gone beyond that, if it's actually, well, episodes 13 to 18 or where it really gets good, then that's, that's quite an ask. But do, you know, keep watching it and let us know if it changes, if it does become more engaging, or if there are specific issues that it, that it explores that we would want to talk about, and then I would absolutely go back and rewatch it, or rewatch mm-hmm. it and watch it at all. Yeah, by this point, like, Shirobako had some, like, soaring emotional highs yes. that I just mm-hmm. never saw in Sakura Quest, so... Yeah. Sakura uh, Quest it says, had... It doesn't sound like they're there either. Yeah, Sakura so. Quest had a couple of really good beats with, um one scene where two of the girls are talking about, I, I mentioned this in the mid season too. Um, one scene where one of the girls is talking about how she worked herself into the ground and then got sick and then realized that anyone could do her job. Um, that was, oh. that was a pretty good, that they, they handled that one really well in terms of like, 
uh, staging and pacing, and that one that was a solid beat. And then there's an arc later with the youngest. I think she's the youngest in the group. Um, about how she kind of feels like an outcast um, because she's into like weird things like UFOs and monsters, and um, she gets like yelled at at one point because quote unquote. I think the I think basically somebody tells her normal girls aren't into stuff like that. And um, then, like, her friends are like, no, we think your interests are neat. Like, we like you. We like the stuff you like. Um, and so her finding that community is also really sweet. So there's there's moments in it that kind of stand out. But then there's a lot of just kind of this, like, straight level of not really hitting strong emotional beats. Yeah, it doesn't have quite the energy that Shirobako has. And I think that comes down partly to the writer-director duo. On the other mm-hmm. hand, I feel quite sorry for Sakura Quest that its natural point of comparison is Shirobako, which is quite a special series. Yeah, and so. they really don't, like, other than being, PA Works has, has kind of a, um, they call it, like, their working women series, I think, and they yeah. did, because they did Hanasaki Iroha a while back as well. Yeah. Um, and it was specifically, they wanted to do stories about about female characters with jobs, um, which I think is a really cool um, thing to kind of want to focus yeah. on because you don't Absolutely. see that as much in anime as, sorry, what? I said absolutely, yeah, no, that's something yeah. I'd, I'd love to see. So, but unfortunately, because it is part of, like, kind of a series of these sorts of shows, I think you inevitably wind up with comparisons, um, especially when you've got, like, the same character designer. Um, <laughs> so everyone kind of looks the same. Um, and and that's <laughs> yeah. maybe not fair to Sakura Quest, but, yeah, it's not, um, it does not have the, the, the raw charm and energy of Shirobako, I would say. But you would recommend it without caveats, and you yeah, there's keep no watching. there's no caveats to it except that I'm just not in love with it, and I wish I was. Um, I, that's that's quite that's doing quite well to be fair. If we can say mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's exploring feminist issues and it has good characters, it's not engaging, but it is absolutely worth watching. Mm-hmm. That's that's doing pretty well for an anime, to be fair. Yeah. So maybe we should judge it less by is it better or not as good as Shirobako and more as this is actually a solid series and just because we don't find it engaging doesn't mean that nobody does. I'm sure there's people out there who absolutely love it. So, you know, if you're yeah. listening, tell us what you love about it. We'd love to see it through your eyes. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Okay, number one, Grimoire of Zero. I'm sounding all uh because I haven't seen this one completely either. Um, I did skip to the end. Uh, I watched the last episode before the podcast just to see uh, kind of where it ended up and to see whether the themes of power and discrimination, which had real parallels to racism from my perspective, uh, to see how they were addressed. And I obviously couldn't follow it properly because I hadn't seen the intervening episodes, but my understanding is it's not really addressed. So it just ends in... It ends in a place where it could it could continue and mm-hmm. it could get a second series, which maybe is how they they've set it up. Yeah. Well, it's um, based on a light novel series, right? So, yeah. So that they're and probably I think that's like volume going. two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they they've set it up to be continued, um, but they didn't actually address what I wanted them to address, which was you've got this main character who is a beast fallen. He is in uh, I can't remember what exact animal it is, but it's a giant cat. He's in a giant cat's body. Um, but he views himself as human and he wants people to see who he really is. And he's he joins this this companion and she's a witch. And she tells him, I can see the human that you are. And I'll change you. I'll, I'll, I'll reveal that for you if, you if you help me. That's her price. And he says, yes, absolutely. That's, that's what I want in the world. That's all I want. 
and then you get to the end of the series and I was really hoping that over the series there'd be this progression where he realises actually he doesn't need to have a human facade on him to uh, to feel like he is himself I was hoping that he'd get more comfortable in his own skin and it would get to a point where perhaps she'd offer to change him and he'd say no actually I'm, I'm quite comfortable as I am uh, spoilers that doesn't happen so it's <laughs> that's a real shame for me so even though they raised this feminist theme they didn't actually explore it in a feminist way and that's why this whole segment is called feminist themes because there is absolutely no guarantee that it's going to go in a particularly feminist direction so I will watch the intervening episodes at some point, although my, my wish to do so has dropped a bit since finding that out. Um, but I don't I don't imagine that they will have explored it in any great depth if it seems like he's gone on absolutely no uh, character development at all in this area. It seems like mm-hmm. it was just raised as, as a motivation for him and then he was in exactly the same place 12 episodes later. So that's a bit of a shame. Um, if I'm wrong, again, listeners, please tell me. I would love to know. But yeah, my understanding is that that's, there's no development there. So not sure if I'd recommend that one. I think definitely worth watching the first episode at least. I, I enjoyed the first six, which I've seen. Um, but I think there are other shows here that I would recommend more enthusiastically. Kabukibu is probably my big recommendation of this list and Tsukigakure. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> I wish I had more to say on it. I feel really bad that I couldn't see all the episodes. Mm-hmm. But that is that is our top ten of the rankings. It's been a bit of a difficult season, I think. It's been a bit of a, a struggle, this one. There hasn't been anything that I've been shouting from the rooftops about as I have done in previous seasons, so that has been a bit frustrating, I think. Yeah, it feels like a lot of shows started strong and then kind of just either sort of went downhill or just kind of lost any sort of energy. Um, yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it feels. But... Those were not the only shows this season. We also nope. had a number of sequels, which we have been shouting from the rooftops about because mm-hmm. they, it, they are, that has been strong. So I'm just going to dive right in. My Hero Academia, it took, this, it took until this season for me to really grasp just how strong a series it is and how interesting it is and how relatively feminist friendly it is compared to other shonen and I have to be really careful with those caveats because it is by no means a feminist series it still suffers from many of the trappings of shonen uh manga shonen anime and specifically the shonen jump set but it is an improvement on its predecessors and I say that as someone who loves Naruto with all my heart it absolutely does new things and it is doing them in a fresh way that is really just so endearing and I absolutely love it and I think you're both watching it and enthusiastic about it. Super enthusiastic. I, I think yeah. it might be, like, One Piece is pretty high up on that pedestal. So is Hunter x Hunter for me personally. But I think My Hero is already unseated Naruto. And I, I don't know where on my top three list of Shonen it's going to end up. But it yeah. could definitely be the top. Do you watch Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm actually watching this one with my roommate, which is fun. Um, so oh, I haven't seen great. the most recent episode. but no, me um, we yeah um it's it's really good it's um it it has such good compelling character arcs um because i tend to i tend to i've talked about this in in past podcasts as well i always want to get into the big blockbuster shonen series and then i never can and then very rarely i shouldn't say never very rarely can i because that kind of arc-based formatting tends to i just kind of lose interest if i don't get a clear sense of where the story is going to end up um so you really have to have a cast of characters that I just want to hang out with. 
and see what and see what they're like and what they're up to. And My Hero Academia has an incredibly good cast of yes. characters where I'm like, I want I want individual stories about everybody except Minetta. Except uh, Minetta. <laughs> fuck that guy. Seriously. Um, but I would like happily watch like an entire arc about pretty much everyone in that class. Yeah. Um, and I think that I think that and heck, I'd watch an, an entire arc about most of their teachers too. <laughs> um, and yeah, the adult, absolutely. And the adult characters, absolutely. Um, and I I think that's I think that speaks to its um, potential to be a really um, compelling long running series, which at this point it, it's probably guaranteed to be a long one. Um, and and just one that you can you can just cheer for these kids and watch them grow and and enjoy their stories. So yeah, I've. I have been surprised at how much I have liked it, I think. Me too, me too. And I watched I watched the first season when it came out and I mm-hmm. didn't get to the end. I was like, oh, it's okay, I guess. And then I caught up with it in order to watch the sequel season. And I thought, this is amazing. Why, how, what stopped me from getting into it before? Mm-hmm. And I, I still don't really know, but I've, I've completely fallen in love with Ochako. Uh, she is... Just yes. my aspiration in life. I wish I were half <laughs> as nice as Otako is. Half as strong, half as decent. She is wonderful. Uh, I'm a big fan of her. But like you say, any of the characters except Minata, I would be <laughs> very happy to spend time with, to see more arcs on them, just to really dig into any of their characters. So that that's such a good sign I think I really feel like Naruto did something similar for me because I do love Naruto and I enjoyed arcs with many of their characters Rock Lee is one of my all-time favorites but it's it's not quite the same there are characters who feel filler who feel throwaway in Naruto the female characters are underserved I absolutely love it but I suspect My Hero Academia is going to overtake it at some point yeah it probably will (laughs) <laughs> Kishimoto I don't think spent as much time with his side characters as Horikoshi has Yeah, uh, I don't think that they were created with the same care so I, I think he had like a pretty good concept for a lot of them but he didn't really invest as much as Horikoshi does Yeah, and Horikoshi's just doing like really great things with both the shonen genre and uh, like western superhero comics that's really yes. interesting thematically and which, which we can definitely appreciate since we're sort of exposed to both of them yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I, I do agree about the side. I, there's a lot of like fantasy books that are multiple perspective, like uh, Song of Ice and Fire. There yeah. are some yeah. characters where it'll go to that character, like the chapter name is <laughs> yeah. always the character that it's following, and I'll and go, oh, like, oh, I have to get through this chapter, yeah, because yeah. yeah. but I feel like if it was anybody except Mineta in this so on, I would, I'd be really, I'm just like, okay, sweet, I'll, I'll read it. Yeah, absolutely. Also, uh, mm-hmm. and as we've been saying, it's not perfect. Uh, I definitely wish there were more combat-oriented female characters, and I mm-hmm. do think a lot of the, especially in the when they got to the fighting tournament portion, a lot of female characters were just kind of shoved out of the ring very fast and didn't get interesting fights. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. want to say that those problems are fixed later, since I, I, I've read ahead in the manga. I, I'm following the English publication. Um, but they do, especially in the next arc, uh, have some really good moments uh, that are specifically related to their performance in this tournament as well. Yeah. So I'm really excited about, uh, especially uh, your reactions to where it goes next and just, you know, how it's portrayed because uh, I really enjoyed those parts of the manga. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. Mm. Eccentric Family 2. You have both seen this. You have both mm-hmm. raved about it. I have yep. not watched it yet, but by your recommendations, I absolutely will because it sounds incredible. 
I love it. It's still one of my top ten favorite anime. Um, of all time, the first season. The first season was, and the second one, it's there. It's it's not getting. It's not dropping it down. Like wow. it's still there. So impressive. I love it. Um, it's it's such a complete package in terms of art, music, animation. I mean, it's the animation is somewhat sparing, but it's very effective when it's used. Um, character tone, like the whole thing, just comes together very well to create this very specific sort of magical realism grounded in emotional realism uh, sort of supernatural, I guess, series um, that I just, I just, I just love it <laughs> um, basically. So I, it's supposedly the eccentric family novels that it's based on is going to be a trilogy. I dearly hope that when the third book is written, we get a third season so I can <laughs> see the entire thing um, because it's, oh, wow. it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, we really want to finish Ben Ten's arc, especially. Uh, yes, which I'm, absolutely. I'm almost positive the third book will be doing, because almost like uh, the the main character is Yasaboto, but I feel like the main character in the the series is Ben Ten, mm-hmm. um, who's like, which is very interesting because she's so separated from all the other characters, and it's a very family and community focused series, and Ben Ten's kind of like the outlier who can't participate in any of these. Uh, communities or or have the same relationships other characters can. Yeah, she kind of shifts between the the three kind of main groups and doesn't quite fit into any of them. Um, mm. And she's she's a really fascinating character because I don't know if I I don't I wouldn't classify her as likable, um, but she's very compelling and sympathetic in some ways and just and just interests me and I want to know more about her. Um, I also like that this series kind of set up sort of um, a character who's in a similar situation to her in the Nidaime. Um, who's another another quasi tengu, I guess, um, who also doesn't really have a group, a community. Um, but so the way they kind of interact and and uh, butt heads and and have kind of this this sort of magnetism towards each other in this series in this season is really interesting. Um, it, I think it handles its. Peter, we can talk about this too. It's one of those where the main characters are the guys. So on the one hand, there is sort of that sense of like most of the female characters are in some way connected to, um, well, especially Yasabuto, but then also his brothers. Um, but at the same time, I think they're all really good, like fully realized people who are more than just so-and-so's fiance or so-and-so's um, mom or, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I love Gyo Karan, uh, who is a new addition this uh, season as well. Yeah, and, she's uh, a Ka- she's Kaisei's great. been a really huge character. Yeah, I really like Kaisei so. too. Um, and they all they all have very distinct personalities. Um, Gyokudan's really into shogi, um, like, and she's really good at it too. So she's got that on top of being kind of a love interest for one of the other characters. Um, she gets angry and turns into a tiger and like just roars at people, and it's it's fun. I, I I like it. It's a very charming series, and I think it handles all of its characters really well. Yeah, I love that both of them turn into tigers as their go-to combat shape. Yes, well. when they're ready to fight, they're like tiger power. It's 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 wonderful. <laughs> that sounds really cute. <laughs> they were made for each other. Oh yeah, their their romance thing was pretty good because uh, okay, what's his older brother's name? Y- Yashiro. Yashiro. Yeah, uh, yeah. They have very it's got Ichi in the middle because yeah, yeah. he's the first. He, <laughs> he's very bad at being, uh, um, uh, you know, emotional. So he had a lot of trouble admitting that he liked her, although mm-hmm. everybody knew it and kind of made fun of him a lot because he kind of deserves it their backstory was kind of fun too because she um intentionally loses a game of shogi to him 
um, yes. because she kind of has a crush on him. And she feels like he'll be upset if she if she beats him, which I think is it's kind of ties into some kind of feminist themes. Yeah, he gets really upset at her about this. Like he's like, no, I don't want you to do that. And then they eventually like as adults, they play again and she beats him like she doesn't she doesn't go easy on him. She beats him this time. And the fact that there's like that, you know, I think it's really nice that the story encourages her to be herself and play to her strengths. And he likes, and he wants her to do that and likes that about her. So their relationship is, is a really nice kind of surprise in the first half of the series. Yeah. There's a, there's a Shoki board that has tiger teeth marks in it from when they were kids and she lost on purpose. He went berserk and he almost bit the board in half, which yeah. is their dad's favorite, but he, they held onto it anyway. It's a sentimental item. Just a lot of really neat stuff like that. It's hard to kind of like describe why it's so good I, i'd say like on the surface level i like it's very um well well produced uh because the as you said earlier the animation and the, the voice acting and uh like the visuals all really tie in strongly to support this series that's really about like the world the surface level and the world beneath kyoto mm-hmm. um but then the narrative and the characters themselves are so strong too it's it's like it's the complete package like you get everything in the series you do. My the only yeah. the only kind of bummer is that the second season very much feels like a bridge between two to a yeah. final arc. Um, so I really hope we get that final arc. Yes. Yes. Yeah, same. Like I, I didn't quite know what to make of the the ending. Actually, it, it mm-hmm. was very enigmatic the way it ended, and I think it was supposed to be that way because you don't quite understand what's going on with a lot of these characters, mm-hmm. which means we're just gonna have to wait, which sucks. But I'm totally willing to do it because yeah. like the, the the season was so good. Well, and it's very much a passion project. Like, I'm pretty sure the producer at PA Works, or not the producer, like the head of the the head of the studio, basically, uh, loves the novels. So he's like, "We're animating these." So <laughs> my sincere hope is that 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 sort of um, uh, work of love, labor of love, there will will kind of guarantee us a, a third season when when slash if the final book comes out. So yeah. In the meantime, we can watch Tatami Galaxy if we haven't already. Yeah. I haven't already, and when there's a third season of Eccentric Family, maybe I will watch all of them together. You should watch both of them now, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they're, they're like, still right worth now. it. Oh, also, to our listeners, um, at the mid-season, we, we were talking about how Eccentric Family Season 1 wasn't available. It's on Crunchyroll now. They yeah. got it back. It is You back. have no excuse. Go watch it. Depending it's on which country good. you're in, you, you possibly that's, have no That's excuse. true. That's true. There might be. There, <laughs> might, there, there are probably some exceptions in there. I'm just but, representing uh, non-US here. Yeah, that you might not no, be available. No. In the UK, totally though, fair. it is. Right. So I personally have no excuse, which is, I that's feel, right. what maybe maybe you could have been getting. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, it's all available. We'll watch along. It's great. Yeah, I love it. Ooh, watch so. along would be good. Yeah, watch along maybe the answer. That may be what gets me to watch it. Um, <laughs> Attack on Titan two. Hmm. Did you both watch this? Yep. Yep. Great. I also did. I enjoyed it. I think more than a lot of people did. <laughs> I enjoyed it far and away more than I enjoyed the first season yes. I didn't even really enjoy the first season to be honest like I watched <laughs> it and I was like uh, I guess I'll try sec- season two and see how it goes and within like two episodes I was like oh my god this is really fun and I'm having a good time do so... you know what though I go back to the first season and I watch it now in a completely different context because I actually watched uh, I watched the first season of Attack on Titan in my 10 year break from anime um, basically, the friend who I who I trapped into watching Kado, she got me to watch Attack on Titan a few years ago. So mm-hmm. I watched it then with no context of anime around me, and I thought, like, yeah, this is okay. I'm enjoying it, and watching it with friends was fun. Watching mm-hmm. it now, 
aware of how anime kind of generally is and what broad trends and patterns exist within it i think the 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 premise that they have and the character designs and everything is really interesting and i completely understand why it has done as well as it has and this is just going back to the very beginning and watching those first few episodes second half of the season bit of a bust terribly paced but i i really appreciate the first season so much more now but the second season i really got into it and the ending i thought was I, I, I got completely wrapped up in it. I actually re-watched that episode straight away as soon as I finished watching it. Yeah, I think... Uh, I I don't know which one I liked more. Uh, I I think the two things I liked about the series were the pretty much everybody that's not Aaron. And, <laughs> uh, yep. and like, the, the, the meta plot, history, and, like, mystery of the story. Because mm-hmm. I am, like, really interested in the... There's obviously something going on with, like, the origin of the Titans and... Yeah the like something going on with the government and the church hiding it and the you know titans in the wall whatever yeah. what's uh, in the basement which, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> when? The basement. yeah exactly yeah and the basement so i i'm really interested to see where all that how it plays out and i'm really trying to stop myself from just reading the manga and finding out everything and kind of ruining the experience of watching the, the anime <laughs> yeah because the um, manga is not it's not great <laughs> i think the anime yeah. is doing a good job of polishing it up and making it uh, more interesting than it than it actually is when it's on paper but that's... I was okay with it. Manga. I don't know. It's very... Uh, it, it's kind of its own thing because Araki kind of uh, has his directorial style, uh, which we all saw. It's the same thing as Death Note, really. Yeah. Where it's like this hyper-dramatic... It's very bombastic. Uh, yeah. yeah, cliffhanger. Uh, yeah, it's... it's So it, it, it's its own experience, I think. I, I like different things about the manga. Um, but I also like the side characters more. I, I, oh, my gosh, The ending yeah. kind of... The ending fell a little flat for me because it kind of reinforced one of the things I least like about the series, which is that a lot of these really great characters are going to be sidelined so that Eren can continue to be the protagonist, specifically Mikasa. Yes, yes, uh, there is that. Yeah, her, I got, especially the, with the episode where it was, the entire episode was she was just saying, like, I'm not going to show these guys mercy anymore because yeah. that every time I do that, it blows up in my face, so I'm just going to kill them. Yep. And I'll ask questions later. And then she basically slips on a banana peel. Uh, <laughs> and I just thought that was, it's just not resonant at all with what happened, like with, with like the, what the episode was setting up. And it just, I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, Mikasa's probably not going to be able to do very many cool things over the course of this series. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it spent a lot of time away from Aaron with the way they broke up. So I, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I did like season two even more than <laughs> the original series. I feel like, season two acknowledge and this you you kind of got this a little bit in season one here and there with where aaron would just be like screaming and everyone would just be like staring at him as if yeah. what what are you doing um but i feel like this season did did kind of a a good job of sort of highlighting the fact that aaron is not a good protagonist yeah. <laughs> and I, but I, I mean that like i kind of think that's the point like i think he's i think he really wants to be like a shonen action hero and he's not um but he's but they're kind of and nobody and everyone's a little bit disappointed that they're kind of stuck with him but they are because he happens to be the one who has like these like latent abilities and this this titan power essentially um and i find the fact that the series leans into that kind of kind of great i thought that was hilarious Um, (laughs) oh you mean um, like the meta stuff they do like when the guy was like uh we we can't possibly win this unless aaron's alive or something like like where they it was like uh i can't remember the guy's name he immediately got his arm bitten off 
uh, Erwin, <laughs> Erwin, Erwin, Erwin. Oh, Erwin. Yeah, yeah. He was basically saying the plot of this show is that Aaron is going to save us all, so we have to, we have to we rescue have to, him. Yeah. As they were charging good. forward on their horses. Yeah. That's great. Um, the scene, like, fairly early when Aaron finally gets back into the story and he, like, kills his first titan, he's so excited and then just immediately beefs it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then there's this, there's this great moment um, when, uh, after he's kind of been captured and they're having, like, this, they're having, like, this back and forth conversation talk um, and, it's, and it's getting really intense um, about, like, the different sides and stuff. And he and um, Reiner, like, he Ymir. just, like, he and Reiner just start, like, attacking each other. And, um, Meanwhile, like, um, oh, God, I'm blank. Emir and Bertholdt are having, like, this very kind of serious conversation about somebody who was dead. And in the background, you just kind of vaguely hear Aaron, like, screaming and flailing while they're having this conversation. <laughs> and I'm like, that's it. That's the show. Let's talk that for was... a second about Emir uh, and uh, Krista. Because yep. that was, that was, I, I think... I didn't really appreciate when, again, when I first went through just how important that relationship is. And it comes across really extremely queer when you see it actually on the screen. Yes, it's, it's lovely. Yeah, I yeah, really like the way it's really they, lovely. And I was so surprised. Yeah, and they just absolutely lean into it, own it, and say, yeah, that's, mm. what, that's what this is. And there's a moment, isn't there, between, um, I, like, it, when written down, her name is Emil. But when they say it, it's Yumiru. So I'm really struggling here with yeah. how to actually pronounce her name. But when mm-hmm. she and Reiner speak and make vague allusions to her being gay, um, and mm-hmm. she makes she makes a comment about him being gay, but it kind of comes across more snarky than his comment. I think. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not I'm not sure if that's actually any basis for anything. But she, yeah. There's Yumiru's. a there's a not insignificant portion of the fandom that um, is pretty sure Reiner and Bertolt are a thing. Sure. Um, I'm not but shutting that down. At I all. haven't. I haven't read enough in the manga to be able to say one way or the other. There. Um, no. I think. I think this season did a. My biggest problem with the first season is I never could connect emotionally to it, and I think this season did a much better job of establishing a lot of different characters with different um, kind of goals and hopes and yes. and the relationships that are important to them and what can kind of keep them going in this nightmare world. Um, cause there's even like, I think it was the second episode cause the first episode of the season, I was like, Oh, I'm not going to have a good time. Um, and then I think it's the second one is sort of a Sasha focus episode and yeah. it's just, and it's about like her initially being kind of a self-centered kid. Who's like just worried about herself and the people around her and kind of learning to look after others and the importance of kind of taking care of your community. And that was the moment when I went, Hmm, okay, this is, this is good. There's some, there's some emotional like stakes and, and heft to this now. Um, and so, like, as as the plot got more and more wild, and they kept throwing new twists at us this season, they they ground paradoxically kept grounding the characters more in, um, I guess, emotional realism to a point. Um, so it was good. I liked that. I liked that combo of just like just like out there um, Titan battles, and and then these then these kind of grounded uh, characters and their relationships with each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's this really uh, interesting kind of al- it alternates between being these high points and these very frustrating points. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I remember, uh, I guess it was near the end of the season. Uh, I actually uh, uh, Aaron's fight with uh, the armored titan, mm-hmm. I thought was great, and it actually made me like. I, I was like, oh, this is a really good moment for Aaron. He's doing something cool. 
Yeah. Uh, and of course, that was like snatched away from him. But I thought mm-hmm. that was that, like that the way the fight played out was really interesting. Uh, and like it was Aaron actually, I don't know, using being like intelligent as well as using his Titan ability. So you're yeah. just like, oh, is this a moment for him where he really grows as a character? But then the episode after, uh, I, I actually found that episode where they're all talking in the treetops to be like immensely frustrating because um, just like a few points. Uh, one of the things, what was it? Uh, Reiner said that, uh, like, he said some line about uh, Aaron being unreliable as an ally. Mm-hmm. And you were just like, oh, yes, that's true. And I'm like, yes, that is, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is true. That's totally <laughs> Aaron. Yeah. Aaron's absolutely not reliable. But Reiner had literally just forgotten whose side he was on. So I was like, Aaron, point that out, please. Just say it. Just say it. Like, this guy literally <laughs> just forgot whose side he was on. Like, I know you're bad, Aaron, but you're not so bad that you forget. You, you've never gone like, wait, am I on the Titan side? You're pretty clearly on the side of humanity. Yeah. So, yeah, he did, he's did. he got that going for him at least. And then, uh, yeah. yeah. And that's a uh, later on. Aaron, you can't fault Aaron for indecisiveness. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, the fact that he didn't think to say anything like that and everybody just sort of accepted that that was a fact, uh, even though, it, it, I mean, it is it is true, was, like, super... I'm just like, how, how did that make it past that point in the conversation? Then uh, later on, uh, Ymir... Uh, they, it was basically implied what was going to happen later on where Ymir kidnaps Krista. And I had just wished that Aaron had said something during that conversation about caring about what Krista wants as opposed to her wanting to save Krista. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they literally have the same relationship, uh, him and Mikasa and Ymir and Krista, where they have somebody who's kind of like overbearing and protective. And in Aaron's case, uh, like he does get himself into a lot of dangerous situations. Uh, so it's somewhat justified. But I do think Mikasa kind of uh, doesn't really respect how much he really wants to do what he's doing like how strongly he feels she's more concerned about just him living under any circumstances and i wish like that would have made me respect his perspective so much more if he'd said like you're being just like mikasa always is where you don't respect what i want and if that puts me in danger that's my choice or something like that to to kind of contextualize that and they just like glazed over that opportunity as well that so that is an interesting point that's really interesting yeah, it's like high point, low point, high point, low point, and and there's like these huge openings for stuff like that to happen. Like I almost can't believe Isayama created those two points in the conversation, and just without an awareness that he could have gone in that direction. I mean, I can because I don't really have a lot of respect for him, particularly. Um, <laughs> I find issues with his storytelling, his story craft, all the time. I think the stuff yeah. he does well, he is amazing at, and then the stuff he doesn't do well, they're they're pretty big gaps. And yeah. the anime can compensate for some stuff, but not others. So I'm not, yeah. I, I really enjoyed Attack on Titan this time through, and I really, I kind of wish it had been a longer series, but actually, given how the second half of the first season was, I, maybe actually it's better that we don't mm-hmm. see that. Well, and we are getting a season three in 2018. Yeah, yes, spring 2018, I think. So. Only a year so, yeah, this we time, don't have yeah. to wait five years um, again. Um, yeah, it was really so. weird to have such a long gap for such a popular series. But speaking yeah. of long gaps for popular series, Berserk, which <laughs> I think uh, perhaps in the entire United States, Peter is the only person watching it. So maybe you my could roommate, tell people. My roommate is watching it. Yeah. You have a it's friend. It's just a bunch of really frustrated fans <laughs> watching it because they, I mean. Pretty much, the, okay, yeah. The voice acting is still great. Uh, they, there's actually some really awesome 2D animation that they do during certain episodes, specifically like uh, um, usually it's uh, when people are kind of like looking back uh, at their past or um, 
uh, some kind of like uh, more impressionistic stuff, uh, which is really cool. Uh, it's got, especially in the second season, really great backgrounds illustrated by Studio Kusanagi. Uh, so there are all these points that are really cool, and you're kind of re-experiencing it, but yeah, the, the 3D CG is, it's really, it's an obstacle. And we're actually doing a watch-along of New Berserk yes. at the moment. Uh, Peter's joining me and Cara Dennison. And Cara and I have only seen the 1997 series, so we're working through the, the New Berserk now. And it's it's really interesting. It is really interesting. Um, I'm glad that I'm watching it for what it's worth, but it is, uh, I think the barriers to entry are fairly high. I think you have to know the story before you get to this point. You have to have seen the films or you have to have seen the 97 series to be able to keep up. Um, and I think you have to have a fairly strong tolerance for, for the animation, which I have a really strong tolerance for terrible animation, and even I get jarred <coughs> by this. Um, and you have to have a fairly high tolerance, again, for some pretty uh, pretty unpleasant treatment of female characters visually. So that the, all those caveats in place, I'm finding it very interesting, and I'm finding it a very rewarding series to watch, but it's it's a tough one yep okay we have now gone through many of our series run quite badly over very sorry about that we would love to hear your views so please do let us know what you thought of the the series and the discussion around it i appreciate this one has been a little bit patchy so we hope that you will fill in the gaps for us a little bit of housekeeping before we wrap it up you can find us at www.animefeminist.com we're on Twitter at Anime Feminist. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash animefem. We have a Tumblr, animefeminist.tumblr.com. And we have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash animefeminist. We are now at over $1,000 in income. Thank you all so much for contributing. Um, we're looking for our next funding goal now of $1,140, which means we pay our editors. So whenever a contributor sends us a piece, a pitch, we have one of the team work with them, and currently this is unpaid. They work with them to craft the outline, get that approved, to craft the actual piece, get that up into, uh, into the website, and format it properly. This is work, and it's currently not paid, and a big cornerstone of Anafem is to pay people fairly for their work. So please, if you can spare a dollar a month, it really does add up. I cannot stress that enough. Please go to www.patreon.com slash animefeminist and send us that dollar to continue our work. All patrons who support us with $5 or more have access to our private Anafem server on Discord, a fairly recent development. And uh, we have channels for things like general conversation, talk on anime specifically, manga specifically, airing shows, games, Japanese study. It's evolving as we go according to what our patrons actually want. We would love to see you there. So if you can spare $5 or more a month, just get in touch, we'll send you an invite code, we'll get you inside. So thank you so much to Dee and Peter for joining me today, and let us know what you thought of this season in the comments.